Hello, my favorite unclassified cryptids. I'm Nikki. I'm Sarah. And I'm Cassie. And this is 9,000 Miles of Stories. idea to talk about what's one of the funnier paranormal stories, at least in my opinion and in concept. So today we're traveling 17,038 kilometers or 10,586 miles to Cashin's Gap on the Isle of Man for Jeff, also known as Jeff the Talking Mongoose or the Dolby Spook. In September 1931, on a small farm over a mile away from their nearest neighbors, The Irving family, made up of parents James, a multilingual piano and organ seller, Hmm. his wife Margaret, and their daughter, 13-year-old Voiry, claimed to hear scratching, rustling, and general sounds, including what what sounded like vocalizations, hissing, and evolved into an unsettling gurgling, much like a baby. Ew. Just rinsing his mouth. Yeah. Og, og, og. (laughs) When they moved into the house, James installed a wooden inner wall around the house to act as an insulation, but it left a few inch gap between the outer walls and the inner wooden ones. It's how you get possums. It is how you get possums, but- Or mongoose. Or mongoose. So James attempted to rid the house of whatever was living in the walls. Assuming that it was rats, he put down traps and poison and apparently even tried shooting at it. Of course. To no luck. Of course. He's not American. Oh. Huh. I love man is... Oh, he's an Eva. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. One day when he was out of ideas, he tried to scare whatever it was by growling at the wall like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> but much to his and everyone else's surprise, whatever was in the wall growled back. It proceeded to mimic other animal sounds the family made, and the family could even name animals, and the voice would make the appropriate noise in response. Larry began seeing nursery rhymes, and the voice would repeat them back in an eerie, childlike voice before one day finally introducing himself as Jeff. That's a damn liar bird. What? (laughs) Okay. Jeff claimed to be a mongoose from India born in 1852 and stated that he was extra, extra clever mongoose, but not always kind. He also claimed to be both an earthbound spirit, a ghost in the form of a mongoose, and not a spirit. He also claimed, I am a freak. I have hands and I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned to stone or a pillar of salt. So I always pictured Jeff as having human hands and feet on a mongoose body. And it always <laughs> just made me like, bust out laughing every time I pictured him. I just like how he classifies himself as a freak. <laughs> Does that mean I'm a freak too? I have hands and feet. <laughs> yeah, but do you have hands yes. and feet on a mongoose body? Maybe but I also- do. 
<laughs> if I saw you, I wouldn't faint or be mummified, I hope. Or be turned into stone. Are you? Is it Medusa that does that? Yes, Medusa. Yeah. The blue I had hands. I was they were they were snakes. They were the snakes on my head. <laughs> oh, it's okay, I'll wear a hat, it's fine. Okay. Jeff did his best to avoid being seen, excepting glimpses by everyone but Voyery, who claimed to be allowed to see him and described him as being the size of a small rat with yellow fur and a large bushy tail. And in 1932 interview with Manchester Daily Dispatch, James stated he saw a little animal resembling a stoat, a ferret or a weasel, yellow in colour with a body about nine inches long. Its long bushy tail is speckled with black. But overall, Jeff preferred to stay in places that he could be heard but stay out of sight, usually in the walls but also in the long grass outside. So I'm just going to send you guys. I know what he is. It's Pinkachu, isn't it? <laughs> I'm gonna send you guys um two drawings that were done of Jeff. Please tell me it looks like Pikachu. If you want to have a look, look at his eyebrows. <laughs> He's got nice eyebrows, and he kind of looks like what I imagine a realistic Pikachu would look like. He does a bit, doesn't he? Why doesn't he have human hands and feet in that one? Because it was Nikki that said that it had human hands and feet. I know, but that's what I want now. Oh. Yeah, it kind of just looks like a snake. Look at his eyelashes. But I feel like, because if he's saying that he's a freak, then I imagine that he wouldn't just have normal mongoose hands and feet. So it always, in my mind, envisioned human hands and feet. He's a fairy. All right. So Jeff's presence quickly grew on the family. They said he guarded the house, warned them of guests arriving or of strange dogs. And warned them if the fire hadn't been put out properly before going down and extinguishing it for them. He would also wake people up when they overslept and help control mice that got into the house, though he preferred to scare them away rather than kill them. Though he would kill rabbits and leave them for the family, his preferred method of killing them was to strangle them. I was thinking he was nice till the rabbit thing. That just makes me sad. I mean, he did say, I'm not always kind. True, but... I thought he was like a little nanny and he's like, I'm going to kill a rabbit. That's not very nice, Jeff. Well, I mean, if he had human hands, then I guess it would make sense that he would strangle them. And But that is not how mongoose would usually kill prey. It doesn't say that he strangles them with his hands, though. Maybe he uses his tail. He could. But if he's killing rabbits and leaving them for the family, is that for them to eat? Or like how a cat brings little birds and leaves them for you as a treat? No, so the family would often... Um, eat the rabbits that he left for them or he okay. would, they would take them into the market to sell them. Oh, okay. So not terrible. No. So Jeff was basically, this was his way of paying for his room and board, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Was he would supply them with rabbits. James apparently reported that Jeff supplied over 50 rabbits in his time with them. And Jeff claimed that if I were a spirit, I could not kill rabbits. The Irvings left Jeff food on a saucer suspended from the ceiling so that he could eat without being seen. He apparently had a taste for biscuits, chocolates, and bananas, and loved bacon and sausages, Mm. but hated eggs and wouldn't even touch them. I mean, same. I don't like eggs. I I do. I love eggs. I know you guys do. It's it's okay, Jeff. Me and Cassie will eat the eggs. It's fine. Uh, Jeff also felt ill on a few occasions, and the family nursed him back to health once even asking James to get him medicine, saying, Jim, I have a goddamn cough. I have a hell of a cold. You will have to get me something. Who 
What a funny little mongoose. <coughs> so sick. <laughs> That's an actual quote. Jeff would also occasionally go to the market with the family, always staying on the other side of the hedges but chatting incessantly. Pretty much a little yellow toddler. Yeah, like Pikachu. Pika. Pikachu toddler. He was also known to apparently stow away on the local bus into town and return with gossip about neighbours that the family had no other way of knowing, leading his story to become popular with the tabloids and locals. Little gossip. Many journalists and locals report hearing Jeff speak, but very little physical evidence was ever found. He was also rumoured to steal things and give them to the Irvines as gifts, but when he started stealing sandwiches from the bus depot, the bus company took steps to prevent him from catching rides by rigging the undercarriage to electrocute him, which James warned Jeff about. How rude is that? Well, if he was Pikachu, he could charge up. How rude. I don't know if that's how it works, but I'm just assuming so. (laughs) Over time, he began to speak Russian, Spanish, and Arabic at various times, and could even understand sign language. He was also apparently clairvoyant, often telling the family of events that were happening several miles away. A little clairvoyant mongoose. I want one. (laughs) Do you, though? Just wait. If he steals my sandwiches, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> he also seemed to like to make wild claims like, I'll split the atom. I am the fifth dimension. I am the eighth wonder of the world. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Beyond his clairvoyance, he also showed some telekinetic skills, making objects move around the room and bouncing rubble balls up and down the stairs leaving some people to believe he may in fact be a poltergeist, I want one, (laughs) instead of flesh and blood entity, but when asked would only say, I am an earthbound spirit. Or argue that he couldn't kill rabbits if he was a spirit. But as Jeff said in the beginning, he was not always kind, and sometimes got downright creepy. He was known to throw rocks at visitors, especially in defense of worry, but he also urinated through holes in the walls. Ew. <laughs> he liked to call James a fat-headed gnome, sing body renditions of songs, including Home on the Range, <laughs> and say things like, I've been to nicer homes than this. Or, I'm not evil. I could be if I wanted. You don't know what damage or harm I could do. If I were roused, I could kill you all, but I won't. One night, he groaned and sang for nearly an hour and afterwards just exclaimed, I did it for the devilment. And would often belt out songs off key at all hours of the day and night. What does devilment mean? Like he just did it for the mischief. Little shit. He also threw objects around the house, causing them to break. And on several occasions woke the family up due to the ruckus. And when he was yelled at, he pretended to be poisoned, dying in insufferable pain, which would upset them greatly. That's my child. But when the Irvings threatened to leave, Jeff grew terribly upset, crying. Would you go away and leave me? He liked to harass the family by throwing pebbles, rocks, and sand at the windows, and on one day threw stones at Margaret while she was walking home. And when she asked if it was Jeff, he replied, Yes, Maggie the witch woman, the Zulu woman, the Honolulu woman. He is a toddler. That's he's a toddler that speaks very well. He's very sassy. He's sassy. He is. <laughs> he definitely seemed to dislike Margaret the most, but even Voyery, who he did like, 
wasn't free from his torment completely. On one occasion, he locked Foyeri in her room, even though the door's lock couldn't be done from the inside. To avoid being alone with Jeff in the dark, apparently because he would not be silent, <laughs> Foyeri moved into her parents' room and Jeff reportedly said, I'll follow her wherever you put her. And when they tried to keep him out of the room by barricading the door with chairs and boxes, the door bulged until it crashed open and a jar of ointment was thrown across the room to smash against the wall. So he threw a hissy fit because he wasn't allowed into the room. Essentially, he's like a toddler. Yep, I can I can clarify that yes, yes, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some skeptics believed it was Voyeur mastering ventriloquism and using the insulation gap between the walls to throw her voice around the house. A journalist also left a camera with Voyery after attempting and failing to get a picture of Jeff as he refused to have his picture taken by anyone but Voyery. She did succeed, but since she was not experienced with the camera, all of the photos were blurry with weird focus leaving their validity up for debate. Many believing it was just a strategically, pace, strategically placed fur stole. So let me show you guys these two most popular photos that she did. Kind of like the, do you remember the movie, I think it's Fairy Tale, where they took photos of fairies? Yeah, and they were the ones cut out from the book. It looks like a skunk. It looks like a toy. It does a bit, right? That's still more realistic than that Jersey Devil photo, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. I'll allow it. You'll allow it. He got so famous that even the paranormal investigator Harry Price visited Cashin's Gap to investigate and later released a book called The Haunting of Cashin's Gap. He avoided confirming or denying his belief in the story because he never encountered Jeff himself, but he freely admitted he couldn't find a motive for the family to lie, saying, I agree that the whole family must be mixed up in it, but there still remains the question of motive. It certainly is not to draw people to Cashin's Gap because they do their utmost to keep them away. The motive for the imposture lies much deeper than mere publicity. Upon his departure, Jeffrey appeared, claiming to have taken a few days holiday and told the family, I don't like that Harry Price. He is the man who puts the gabosh on those spirits. Nander Fodor also took an interest in the case. He was a British-American parapsychologist, psychoanalyst, and writer, but during the 1930s was viewed as one of the leading authorities on poltergeists, hauntings, and other paranormal phenomena. In fact, he was one of the first to propose the concept of poltergeists. So I feel like we should do a separate episode on him, but I wanted to give a little bit of a blurb so that you knew where he was coming from. He stayed with the Irvings for a week and described them as Sincere, frank, and simple. And that Deliberate deception on the part of the whole family cannot be entertained as a solution to the mystery. When people suggest that Jeff was just Voyery being a skilled ventriloquist, he responded The charge of ventriloquism is best answered by the fact that Jeff has been heard when each member of the family has been alternately eliminated. It is sufficient to spend a day at Dollarish, Cashin, to know that. Under their conditions of living, it would be impossible to carry on a ventriloquial imposition over a period of years. 19-year-old Harry Hall, a neighbour of the Irvines, told Fordor that he heard Jeff and stated, Mr Irving told us that Jeff can tell the head or tail of a penny placed on the porch window. 
I took a penny from my pocket, tossed it, and placed it on the window ledge. As soon as I came back into the kitchen, Jeff shouted, Tails! He was right. I tossed it again. He was right again. Another neighbour, 15-year-old Will Cobbin, also told Fordor of an experience with Jeff. Jeff asked me, Can you drive a steamroller? I said yes. He did not believe. You young rascal, you would put it over the hedge. Over the years following his popularity, Jeff's visits became more and more infrequent, and when Jim died in 1945, Margaret and Voyery sold the property to a man named Leslie Graham at a loss due to it being known to be haunted. I'd buy it. Yeah, you would. But in 1947, Leslie trapped and killed an animal that was said to be... Neither ferret, stoat, nor weasel. And saying that it matched descriptions of Jeff. But Voyery maintained that what he killed was not in fact Jeff, and a few years after he left Cashin's Gap, the farmhouse was demolished. No. <gasps> they got rid of Jeff's house. <laughs> Rude. Mm-hmm. In a 1970 interview for Fate magazine, Voyery stated, Yes, there was a little animal who talked and did all those other things. He said he was a mongoose and we should call him Jeff, but I do wish he had let us alone. She died in 2005, still maintaining the story was true. She lived a fair while then. Yeah, no, she did. Especially for those days. So just now getting on to the more um, unfun options that could have been Jeff. A psychologist who stayed with the family for a week didn't believe that they were intentionally deceitful, but thought that perhaps James had a split personality and that was who Jeff was. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Could be. But there were occasions where he says that he was able to feel Jeff and other people saw, like, glimpses of him. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless they saw, like, a rat or something, which is still possible kind of thing. But I feel like... If I was going to take one of those, it would probably be more likely that Voyery was doing ventriloquism. Mm -hmm. Or even if, you know, James was, I don't know if I believe the split personality aspect. Yeah, okay. Sure. In 1912, a farmer did release mongoose on the island to help control the rabbit population. And there have since been studies that mongoose can make some more human-like sounds. But whether they can completely mimic speech is still debatable. And though small footprints, stains on the walls, and hair samples that the Irvings and Jeff claimed to be his were found and tested, the hair was proven to come from the Irvings' sheepdog Mona, and the clay imprints of his alleged footprints lacked the texture of skin and were assumed to have been made with a stick or some other tool. There was also a bite impression in clay, but that also seemed to match Mona more than the mongoose-like creature. Yeah. Mona, stop eating the walls. What have we told you? (laughs) In 2014, the Wall Street Journal reported that the world's preeminent authorities on Jeff gathered to discuss the mystery of Jeff in the University of London Senate House Library. The discussion was not just speculation on his existence or what he may have been, but Richard Epsley, director of the library's English language collection, argued that Jeff's story was part of the trend of talking animals dating back across oral histories. So there may never be a concrete answer about who or what Jeff was, if he was actually a poltergeist or a spirit, a young girl bored and practicing ventriloquism on an isolated farm, or in fact just an extra, extra clever mongoose. But for the small town on the Isle of Man, it definitely made for some interesting lore. What do you guys think of that one? I loved that. Just a freak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I 
thought that was a nice little breakup from the murders. It was. I liked it. That was fun. Yeah, I thought that was a fun one. I don't know how many other fun ones I know, but I had a feeling like this is one of the more less known ones and kind of fun. So I thought we could have some fun with it after Ivan a lot. Yeah. I can't get over just picturing basically Pikachu with human hands and feet. (laughs) There were also some like um, recreation photos that people took of occurrences with Jeff. Like there was one of James pointing to where Jeff's fingers came through the well and stuff. And like there were human hands on the other side, which they're pretty sure were just voyeries, but like it was a recreation of what they had experienced. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense that it could have been Voiry bored and practicing ventriloquism because they had lived in like a big city before they moved to Cashin's Gap. But at the same time, yeah, if they were able to prove that it was neither of them when Fodor was introduced, was um, investigating, and the fact that he knew things that he would have really had no way to know without going into town and things like that. I mean, like even the coin flip, you've got like a 50-50 chance of getting it right, but not gossip and stuff. He's a little gossiping pinky chew toddler. Yeah. (laughs) He's a freak. (laughs) Shouldn't call people freaks. He called himself a freak, thank you. I mean, he did. He did. He did. He was self-conscious of his human hands. All right. All right, now that Jeff is done, what stories are we loving this week? Oh my god, I'll go first. <laughs> I I know I'll go first. <laughs> um, I okay. So this week, <clears throat> on the weekend, I finished a book called "Rules for Vanishing" by Kate Alice Marshall. I listened to the audiobook while also read it while I was building Lego. But it's like a, it's like the kind of like the Blair Witch Project in like a faux documentary style. Oh, that was and the one that about... you told me about. Yeah. yeah. I added it to my list. I need to read this. So what, like the, like the plot of the story is so like once a year, this path appears in the forest and a young girl that went missing years and years and years ago called Lucy comes and like asks people to come and find her. And they basically have to go through the woods and there's like special um, things they have to take with them. Like they have to take a key and these other things and like there's rules and they have to go through different gates. And they ha- it's, like, like a, it's like a journey basically through the woods to try and find her. And like every different part is like a different scenario. And they're going through because the main girl's sister went through a year before and never came back. And so they're going to find her. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I definitely need to read this. Yeah. That might be my next book. And I loved it. It was my it was my second five-star read for the year. Cool. Yeah, I added it to my list under after you described it as Blair Witch meets whatever you described it as. Stranger Things. Stranger Things, that's the one. But I was like, I know you're going to talk about it when we record, so I didn't want to like look too far into it. But yeah, I'll definitely have to read that. Kate Alice Marshall also has a new book that came out last year. Which is The Haunting of Hill House Meets Knives Out. Oh, that is that is definitely up my alley. I love Nikki's Knives Out. It's all over that one. 
And I tried to find where I could buy it and I can't find it in Australia anywhere except for like $40. But for anyone interested, it's called These Fleeting Shadows. Kate Alice Marshall. Who else has been loving stuff? I finished my book, which was The Exorcist's House. Yeah. It was a bit meh most of the way through. Like started off good, got to like the middle and I was like, I don't know if I want to finish this, but... I ended up finishing it anyways. And actually, it ended really good, surprisingly. Yeah. I was actually really happy with how it ended. So, like, I'm glad I went and decided to keep reading it. Yeah, that was my one book that I finished this week. Surprisingly, I finished a book in a week. Woo! I have not finished a book since we recorded last. I have been doing sound things and painting miniatures, and watching Criminal Minds. I started reading Thistlefoot, but I did not get very oh, far. Oh, yeah. I'm only, like, one chapter in, but I'm keen to finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got such good reviews and everything. And I was reading Belladonna, and then I did not realize that it had fallen... fallen. It had fallen on the floor, and Valhalla decided that that was the best place to eat her bone. So the covers oh, no. fucked up. And I'm really sad about it, but like, oh, no. at least it's not one of my signed copies or anything, but I'm still like, I don't even want to look at it right now, but I'll get on to reading probably. Well, I'll have to <laughs> edit this and then I'll get on to reading or maybe I'll do some reading tomorrow. All right. Well, is that everything, guys? I think that's everything. I believe so. In that case, remember, if you heard something calling you. No, you didn't. Bye. Bye. Bye, Jeff. Bye, Jeff. Bye, Jeff.